Well, here we are. Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 44 Wow, of the Questions Podcast. Dare say, is this our Christmas edition? Let's call this the Christmas special. Chipmunks roasting on an open fire, chestnut, <laughs> we got it all here. It is the Christmas special here at the Questions Podcast, where we are smart enough to be dangerous. Well, and that's we right, have a spiritual. I am dangerous. <laughs> we're we're in a Top Gun mood. Very Top Gun. Because Top Gun Two, trailer two, came out this last week. I, I I don't think I've ever been this excited about a movie. They're called Orders, Maverick. Yeah, I was yeah. surprised to get invited back. They're called Orders, Maverick. Great quotes in this movie. They, yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to another thirty plus years of new quotes. We need some new quotes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're trying Chester's to keep the spirit alive. Dead. You're trying to keep the spirit alive. You're wearing your T-shirt the other day. The State Department regrets to inform you that your sons are dead because they're stupid. Stupid. Yeah, I love that. There's great lines in those. There things. are, and you know, it's the sign of a true man if he knows pretty much all the dialogue to Top Gun. I think it's a common thread. I think so. At you least know. around here at Cross Connection. Absolutely. That and you know lines from Nacho Libre. Yeah, those come up too. It's kind of funny that we're and Napoleon Dynamite. Those are great movies. Lucky. Yeah. Now, you know, our banter this morning pre-podcast. Before we hit record. Before we hit record. Yeah. Which is, I think, golden the, stuff. We were talking about how there's more technology in your phone. Yeah, that's when we were putting in the, the memory chip that we're recording on here. It's pretty amazing. But yeah, yeah, my phone. Yeah, more technology in our phone than maybe the whole NASA missions had. Yeah. But, and you were saying, you know, they had... I was watching this documentary and... uh it was following one of the early engineers who helped develop the Apollo mission computer system. Was his name Werner? No, that's the rocket technology guy from, uh, he came from Germany. Well, Werner von Braun. Yeah, that's no, right. I know. But right. I'm just saying like Verbron. But Verbron. You, if, if you're a rocket scientist, you've got to name, be named Werner. That's a great name. Well, they were showing um, the, the actual computer system on Apollo. It's like this giant, it goes around the diameter. It's like a big black ring around the Saturn V rocket. Wow. The entire thing was the computer, the launch control computer, and it had all these different pieces balanced in the right places with gyroscopes and punch cards, and it was amazing. It was amazing. They had all these people who soldered every single one of the pieces together. Oh, it was just phenomenal. Man. And all that tech to get us to the moon. And here we are, all these years later, and we still don't have a base on the moon. I know. That's a travesty. Those guys had some... That I was think a, we need a cross-connection on the moon. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Ooh. The moon needs a cross-connection church. Well, right now we're going to have to settle that we're getting our own off-ramp. Yeah, cross-connection cross lunar base. We're, 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 we're taking over an off-ramp. Yeah, that's true. Caltrans is going to give us some... They're going to give us the off-ramp to keep clean. Yeah. To make it look nice. Yeah. You know, pour back into our community, can we, make things can look we, good. Can we cut out all the bushes that are just a haven for rats? Absolutely. Man, oh man! I have a plan. It's not you know. I have a plan. You always have a plan. So I have I, some I, news stories. You do. I do have some news stories. Um, I found this one fascinating. There's a little uproar. <laughs> oh, an a little uproar. uproar in the United Kingdom. A kerfuffle. A little uproar in the holiday season, the Christmas season in the United Kingdom. Fury, as a primary school, you know, elementary school in mm -hmm. uh, in the United Kingdom in England tells the pupils, the students, that when they are singing Away in a Manger, No Crib for a Bed, 
the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. You got to change that. Can't be little Lord Jesus anymore. They need to say baby boy Jesus. Why? Can't call him little Lord Jesus because there might be some children there that don't believe in the Lord Jesus. Maybe they are. They come from atheistic, unhappy families. Wow. Or no hope. They could come from Muslim or Buddhist families. So you might be offending their sensibilities by singing the little Lord Jesus. So now we have to say baby boy Jesus. There's still some alliteration there. We went from little Lord to baby boy. But I don't think that's a I don't think that's a good change. So they, they are under fire at Whitehall Primary School in Chingford. Chingford, England. You know, one mother believes the school is now discriminating against Christian pupils by changing it from little Lord Jesus to baby boy Jesus. So what, what are they what, gonna what do? What thinkest you? I don't know what they're gonna do. I think Let's sing see. it right or don't sing it at all. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but I mean, I, it's I guess it's not scripture, so I mean, it's still they're still singing about Jesus. I mean, we know what they're singing about. You're going and screwing up the song, though. Yeah, right? man, you got to mess, mess things up. up. Why you got to go and do that? Oh, you watch. Next thing they're going to change is the Star Spangled Banner. You watch. No, they can't do that. Hmm. People, they, you know, I don't know. You just can't legislate people's minds and hearts. Can't uh, do it. Doesn't no, work. No, doesn't work. Yeah. And they wonder why we're on the edge of civil war. Hmm. Well, um, another Jesus news story. It's that time of year. Jesus is in the news. He is. And especially since Netflix has done a, a new depiction movie of Jesus where Jesus is gay in the Netflix show. So thank you, Netflix. We can't call him Little Lord Jesus anymore. It's Baby Boy Jesus. And Netflix is showing Jesus as gay in there not the last temptation of christ but the first temptation of christ wow yeah let me tell you what my temptation was if i was jesus hmm. hit the smite button yeah it's pretty crazy yeah but jesus is a lot nicer than i am uh-huh he's more understanding and full of grace well let's throw another another interesting one in the I, mix i don't from know if netflix. i can take another one i, I no, mean no, this I, is you're gonna love this one this is also from netflix well i don't i yeah okay. there's a comedian her name is michelle wolf and she has a new comedy special on Netflix. And I got a little uh, audio clip. This might offend somebody's sensibilities. It is actually quite offensive. I, you tell me what you think. And we don't talk about abortion in a real way. We talk about it in a very legislative way, but not in a real way. So I think a lot of women have a lot of apprehension surrounding it. You know, we talk about it so negatively that you feel like you should have this sense of shame after you get an abortion. Uh, well, you can feel any way you want after you get an abortion. Get one. See how you feel. <laughs> you know how my abortion made me feel? Very powerful. You know how people say you can't play God? Across the street very carefully. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Uh, you didn't see me laughing, did Netflix, you? Netflix is hitting grand slams this season. Man. No bueno. 
No bueno. And well, I canceled my Netflix. So canceled. Killed yeah. it. Yeah. Well, what what boggles my mind is there's all these people like cat calling in. Yeah. Hoo hoo. Yeah. Clapping and craziness in that whole. Well, thing. you know there are people yelling crucify him. My too, abortion over made Barabbas, me feel so. very powerful. I bet it did. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You felt powerful. Yeah. Well, we'll see how powerful you're feeling at the feet of Jesus. Well, that whole thing goes down. Man. That's a bummer. I, I grieve for her. That's a bummer. We got to pray for her. What's her name? Michelle Wolf. Lord, I do pray for Michelle, and I pray that you would open her eyes, mm-hmm. cause her to seek repentance and forgiveness, and Lord, may she be a powerful testimony, having a relationship and a revelation of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. I had to do that. She's a wolf in wolf's clothing. There you go. Her last I had name to is do wolf. that because the other option was not... It wasn't good for her or me or Jesus. Well, you yeah. could pray a imprecatory prayer from the Psalms. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one. I'm saving that one. Okay, yeah. So, uh, well, you know, we don't we don't often speak of politics, but this has been an eventful week. But when we do, <laughs> so the House of Representatives voted this week to approve two uh, articles of impeachment, mm-hmm. obstruction of Congress, and abuse of power for President Donald J. Trump. That's pretty fascinating. That's some craziness. And now they have said that they are not going to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate. Who? So, so, so it starts so in why the not? House. Why not? So it starts in the House. The House approved two articles of impeachment, and they are supposed to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate the Senate is supposed to have a trial and then vote on the impeachment about whether or not the president should be impeached by both houses of Congress. But apparently, in the House of Representatives, the leadership in the House of Representatives does not feel that they're going to get the trial that they want in the Senate. And so they are refusing to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate until they get what they want from the Senate to do the case the way, or the Senate trial the way they want them to do the Senate trial. So they're trying to force the hands of the Senate to do it the way they want. And apparently, a legal scholar from Harvard says, well then, officially, the president is not impeached until the articles of impeachment move from the House of Representatives to the Senate, so the House has not fulfilled their duty yet. So it should be interesting. But in other news, Christianity Today, you know that publication, Mark? Yes. They've been around a little while. I see where they're... Open their mouth where they shouldn't have. Billy Graham, he helped start Christianity Today. And Christianity Today, yesterday, December 19th, they put an editorial up that says Trump should be removed from office. And it was... uh, I saw that. That was grieving. There's a lot of people like pretty up in arms over what their their article has to say, their editorial has to say. And I would say that um, I read the editorial and I think it's, uh, it's pretty substandard. I don't think that they did a very good job of proving their point. So it seems like they really feel that the president of the United States is to be kind of the moral leader of the nation. When would you say the last time you saw a president was the moral leader of a nation? I think he's a political leader of the nation. I'm not necessarily sure he's the moral leader. Of no, the I, I think that that's misplaced. Because, you know, the first president that I really remember growing up as a child the first one that really comes to my mind, because I was a little bit young through the 80s, the first one for me would be Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton. And uh, I'm not sure I would put him in the category of high moral standard moral leader. Well, he told us what the word sex meant. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. Or what it, what he thought it meant, his interpretation. Yeah. I mean, how, how'd that work out? Well, I was a junior in high school when that happened and that, that surely, I don't think that helped a lot yeah. of See, I grew up with Reagan. People. Yeah. We had Ronald Reagan. Wasn't he an actor? He was, but you know, he, but he played the president part pretty well. I, I don't think he did a bad job as governor, and I don't think he did such a bad job as president that I remember. You know, he made a flip flop because originally he was a Democrat. I know, and then he became a Republican. Yep, but uh, yeah, that's you know, maybe he started paying taxes because normally that's when that flips, right? Yeah, People start exactly. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as they start to actually make some real money, I uh-huh. guess. Yeah, you know, it, it's one thing I think is really important for believers in the politics thing is you have to be really careful what you're reading and what you're believing because. So much of the stuff that is out there is its opinion, and right. uh, I mean, when you 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 know kind of drill down into what somebody's actually being accused of, when you really drill down and you look at it, you go, "Oh gosh, maybe that's really nothing at all." You can't you can't take the media's word for it on these things. You need to do your research before you form your opinions. And that thing in Christianity today, I think that was a mistake. Well, you know, I read the article, and so one of the things in the article it says they give a couple of reasons why they think that he should be removed from office. Then one of them was quote, the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of his, one of the president's political opponents. Well, to say that the facts in this instance are unambiguous. Well, that's what the whole case is all about. I mean, so now it's supposed to go to the Senate and they can make a decision on whether or not it's unambiguous, but apparently for a lot of people, it's not unambiguous. And then, the article went on to say, we believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear in a way that the Mueller investigation did not, that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional oath. Well, that statement there, we believe, well, that that's an issue of interpretation. You know, there's a lot of people on the other side. So did he, did he do some things that maybe were not the most ethical or moral? Yeah. Is it a crime? Is it criminal? Well, that's that's what the Senate has to decide. So if they decide right. that, but here's the point: if he's gone, what what's fascinating to me because I was watching some people react to the impeachment the other day. Yeah, they they almost seem as if this whole politics thing kind of works the way you remember President Trump before he was president. He had this beauty pageant thing going on, right? And they got that first runner up, and if the first place person can't fulfill her duties, well then. The first runner-up gets to be right. the beauty pageant winner. Yeah, okay, the co-pilot. If the so regular pilot goes like, down, the co-pilot's flying the plane. It seems like there are some people in our country who think that if President Trump is impeached and removed from office, then the first runner-up in the 2016 election is going to be the president. That would be Hillary Clinton. That's not the way it works. No, we we would get our guy. Yeah, Mike Pence. And I, I kind of like Mike Pence. I, I think he's, yeah, the dude's a legit Christian. I heard Mike Pence speak at a conference I went to in D.C. about... Gosh, it's got to be about 10 years ago now. The guy is a total right-on Christian. Well, here, here's what could, could happen. Huh. Because they're talking about delaying these articles of impeachment if they do it after. You were talking about right. this. Yeah, till after the election. Right. So he would get impeached at the beginning. Let's say he gets reelected, and there's a good chance of that. Maybe. Um, so he gets, I mean... Probably a better chance than he had last time, and nobody thought that was going to happen, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a good possibility. So let's say he gets reelected, and they decide to impeach him at the beginning of his four-year term. We then, get four years of Mike Pence. Well, that's if he chooses to keep Mike Pence as his running mate in 2020 correct, correct. next year. Yeah, but think about that. Which he probably would. I can't imagine that he'd change his running. Well, maybe he would. I have no idea. Yeah, but that, wouldn't that be, that would be something. Yeah, Mike Pence would be great. I'd take that. 
There's yeah. no way, no way on earth that Mike Pence would ever get elected president. No. But if he got appointed because the other guy got removed? It would be crazy. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I, I Can you imagine? I mean, if they hate our president now. Man, yeah. I mean... It'd be oh, pretty interesting. To yeah, see. They're, they're you know I think some of these people would be trying to bring back crucifixion. Oh goodness! Well, yeah, they're well yeah. now you know crucifixion today just takes place on social media. Yeah, that's a bummer. So when someone does something we don't like, they just crucify you on social media. Well, and you don't have to prove anything. That's the that's the public execution now is on social media. Wow. Yeah. Man, that, that's kind of a bummer. This is a we're we're thinking about Christmas. We, we're talking more politics right now than we probably ever have or ever will. Yeah, but we've but we're not really given any. I mean, we're not picking sides. Maybe, just maybe the fact. yeah. We we did pick sides fact. with the Mike Pence thing. Well, okay, but you yeah. know he's we're good brother. with that. He's a brother in the Lord. I'm good I with think that. So yeah, he seems get mad to be. at me. You know, go ahead, send the, keep those cards and letters coming. Yeah, wow. So we did something kind of fun last night. We did our you and the fam. Yeah, the family gets together. We try to do Tuesday night dinners, Aww, so we hang out, nice. which is kind of cool. Everybody hang out. We eat food. That's a good way to get your kids to come home, by the way, parents, is just make food. But anyway, we did the annual Childers tamale manufacturing thing, and it was great. It, it's so funny it's awesome. because we do it once a year, mm-hmm. and so there's certain nuances of the tamale construction that we forget. Oh, yeah. So you got to relearn it every year. Lighthearted arguing right. and criticism, which is a family value at our house. And then uh, the good news is I have a friend here in the fellowship, the Chavez's, uh-huh. and Juliana sent me a video last year. A little YouTube video? Oh, no, no. no her video her. Of, at her house. She should probably make that into legit. a YouTube video. Probably go viral. No, I, I, you know what? I want Daniel's aunt, who is a tamale making. Evidently, she is. The queen of the tamale. Uh-huh. I've eaten her tamales. They're amazing. I'm trying to get her. I want her to come do a class. That'd be awesome. I think we would bring people far and wide to the cross-connection tamale construction class. So we had a video that they made in their living room of like how to get them all wrapped up. It was great. That is super cool. Yeah. So- well, yesterday I went to the Blue Letter Bible annual Christmas party because I am on the board at Blue Letter Bible. You spoke at it. I did speak at it, but here's awesome thing. You're kind of a big cheese. There's some big no. cheeses there. No. Well, David, they just felt he's sorry much, for he's you. He's much bigger cheese than That's I am. That's what I mean. Right. You're, you're bigger cheese than I thought. Yeah, I'm the smelly cheese. Um, Wisconsin cheddar. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyways, just at the Blue Letter Bible thing, where we as a church are associated with Blue Letter Bible, partnered with them. I'm on the board. They had 817 million page views to the website this year from pretty much every country around the world. People looking up stuff in the Bible. People are reading the scriptures, studying the Bible. It is absolutely amazing what God is doing through... So how many hits a day does Blue Letter Bible get? Oh, gosh, man. You'd have to average that out, I know. Well, I know that we had 18 million unique visitors. That means 18 million different people came and looked at the website this year. And uh, year's not over, obviously. So yeah, 817 million page views. And uh, that's a lot. That's fantastic. That's great news. Let's see. That's more than Netflix, I bet. 68 million page views a month. Wow. About 2.25 million a day. That's great. Now, uh, David's website, Enduring Word. Enduring Word, yeah. Which is great commentary and all that. Uh, You guys get quite a few hits on that too, right? Yeah, there's about... 
50 to 60,000 page views a day. Pretty amazing. That's a, what from a great, all over the world. What a great resource. It's amazing how far you can reach with that. And you know, pretty cool, you know, uh, you know the YouVersion Bible app? I use it all the time. Uh, we're in talks with YouVersion Bible app to have David Guzik's commentary put on the YouVersion Bible app. That would make a lot that would of be sense. awesome. So e- it's pray. easy to follow. Pray for that. Yeah. So I use, like when I go to preach or teach something or yeah. look at something, you know, after I've written my sermon, uh-huh. or I have my outline, then I go back to David's thing for a heresy check. Well, that's good because, you know, you know, and we have noted yes. that while I'm preaching, people are fact-checking me with EnduringWord.com. Against the Guzmeister. And then they come and tell me, well, you know, David, David Guzik, Guzik didn't, say, didn't that. say it. It's like, goodness gracious, like, I can't win. Yeah, I know. Man, oh, man. Anyways. Well, so do we have you some, know, uh, hey, uh, some questions? David's older than you. Maybe we should just dial him up and say, hey, we got a question for you. Yeah, uh, really. This first question on here is challenging. I mean, David Guzik, he would be the master. He'd answer this one perfectly. I bet he could do it in 100 words or less. Maybe. Which we are totally incapable of. Yeah, I mean, it takes us like 20 minutes just to get to question number one. We're just getting warmed up. Our poor listeners. The reason for this is that this is technically not a work day for you, Friday. No, I'm off. Friday is yeah. normally your day off. Yeah. but So you came in on your day off to... To do the questions podcast. We can't we can't disappoint our people. No, we can't. And I was also reminded we did not leave a secret password last week. Oh, who told you this? Uh, about a half a dozen people. Really? Yeah. Man. So I'm glad they're paying attention. Well, that was the secret password. There you we go. We did that on Nothing. purpose. We didn't leave a password just oh, to see if you I would catch us. I meant to do that. That yes. was all intentional. It always is. Oh, man. All right. We don't do anything unintentionally. Um. So you ready for question number I, one, let's, sir? Let's are, do this thing. Are we going to have to call Guz again? Help us. We probably should at some point call okay. him. You in. call David. I'll call Spurgeon. We'll see who answers first. Well, Spurgeon's been dead a long time. Okay. Well, I bet I could look it up in his commentary, though. Probably. Yeah. So, number one, the white stone in Revelation, something about a name. Does that mean... I know where this question came from. Uh, something about a name... That means we will be getting a new name when we get to heaven. Some commentators say we will, and others say that it is not what it means. So I think what they're intimating is that when we go to heaven, perhaps we'll get new names. This is coming out of Revelation chapter 2. This is Jesus' letters to the churches, and specifically his letter letter to the church at Pergamos. And uh, the very last verse of his letter to the church at Pergamos, verse 17, says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. This is Revelation 2.17. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. He knows my name. There you go. He knows your special Bubba Mark name. Secret name. Your special secret Mark name. I hope it's a good name. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. I want something a little more ethnic than what I got. I want like... Like Dave or Tom? Julio or something oh, good. Oh, that kind of ethnic. Yeah. I thought you meant just like American. America. That'd Dave, be good too. Tom. Yeah. yeah. Bill. Fred. Bob. Yeah. Bob's a great name. It's the same way backwards as it is forwards. That's true. I'll never get that one wrong. Absolutely. Bob. And you know, another great revelation, Noel is just Leon spelled backwards. Well, there you have it. There you go. Uh, so the white stone in Revelation chapter 2, uh, you know, I taught on this a few years ago. We did the letters to the seven churches here at the church, and I went back and I looked at my the notes apocalypto. just a, a moment ago, and in my notes, I said, 
of course, this is quote from my notes. Of course, everyone always asks, Pastor, do you know what the name written on the rock is? Answer, no, because it says no there, one knows. Yeah. So I don't know what the name is. But what is the white stone with the name written on it? Well, I have this little quote here. And unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't put a reference. So I got to go back and figure out where this came from. But let me read the quote that I quoted in my message. In ancient times, following the Olympic Games, winners arriving back in their native cities were given a parade of honor and a huge victory celebration. That sounds good. Victory parade. At which time, each champion was presented with a white stone that bore his name. Possessing such a stone entitled him to be maintained, to be maintained at the public's expense for the rest of his life. Welfare. Yeah. So, wow. also, the Romans used white stones as admission tickets to public festivals and assemblies. So, um, if that is true, then maybe that has something to do with the white stone. Seems like a good little concept. Anything else to add to the white stone? I got nothing. I mean, you know, I, I, I remember one time... It's kind of like a credit card that you never have to pay the balance on, and it just kind of takes care of you the rest of your life. So back in the day when I was running a youth group, I thought it'd be great if I got the kids all these old gas station t-shirts. I have one of those still in my closet. You do? Wow. The filling station. Yeah. And so that's what we called it, the filling station. And so these shirts all had, still had names on them. And I so happened, I scored. It was the hand of the Lord because I my the jacket I got, the name on it was Jesus. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And then I had another shirt where the, the shirt, well, the tag on it was Whitey. Hmm. So there, the, I sold the, to the kids really cheap. It kind of gave the youth group some identity. They had these old gas station shirts but or, you know, mechanic shirts. Yeah. And they're used. So they've got holes in them and battery acid, but they all had names on them. And one kid goes, hey, this isn't my name. And I'm like, hey, when you go to heaven, you get a new name. This is your new name, Dave. There you go. Yeah. So. I'm going to have to go look and see what my name on my shirt was, because I did just recently see that in my closet. Yeah, great shirts. You gave me one of those, it must have been, gosh, 15, 18 years yeah, ago? Yeah, good time. A long time ago. Good time. So, yeah, anyway. All right. Um, that was a good question by Dorothy. That was that, Dorothy's question. That was question. a Dorothy yeah, question. I, I, You're right. I, I saw her. You're right. Yeah. You know, she probably already went and looked at, when she said, you know, some commentators say, she was probably referring to David. her favorite commentator. Yeah, her favorite. You? No. Nope. Not okay. me. The one that she fact checks me by. All right. All right. Number two, are Christmas trees a pagan practice? Hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Mark? Well, if if Christmas trees are a pagan practice... Paint me a pagan? Well, no, I'm saying that, you know, you married the Witch of Endor. <laughs> okay, because your lovely wife... Oh, you know, we were at the Blue Letter Bible thing yesterday, yes. and they had these centerpieces with this little... Christmas tree on yeah. it. She won her centerpiece, so she got another Christmas tree to add to the collection. So she's at forty-one. No, no, no. I think uh, so. We have we've set a rule here. It has to be a freestanding, three-dimensional Christmas tree representation. There were twenty-seven of them as of yesterday. Now there are twenty. Well, according to my people, they said they had you had forty uh, in they, your house. Jason was going around and counting pictures with with Christmas trees in it. That's not kosher. Okay, I, your wife though, like Superwoman. Okay, because she's working. She's got four kids. Right. Four kids alone is an adventure. She's going to school. She's working. Going, yeah. And then 
your house taking the other day, it like looked like one of those of Hallmark kids. houses inside. Oh, yeah, yeah. She loves Christmas. Which, so, yeah, no, it, it's obvious. You know, it's yeah. like you were saying about making tamales. Yeah. That every year you have to kind of relearn how to make the tamale. Yeah. Every year I have to relearn how to pack everything back into the garage. Oh, my gosh. It's like, yeah, Christmas stuff origami. You get, it's yeah. all got to go in a certain way. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so... Uh, any, whoever packs these things in China, they got mad skills because they never go back in the box. It is pretty amazing. So the Christmas yeah. tree, is it is it pagan? You know, there's people who they always go back to this little verse in, in Jeremiah, and um, they think that this Jeremiah verse in Jeremiah chapter 10 is speaking against decorating Christmas trees. It has nothing to do with that in Jeremiah chapter 10. It has to do with turning a, a stump of wood into an idol that you'd bow down to. Do you bow down to your Christmas tree? The only time I bow down to my Christmas tree is to put a little bit of water in that bottom bowl thing so it doesn't turn into a Roman candle you in my pagan. living room. You pagan. Yes. No. The mm. modern Christmas tree does not come from any form of paganism. There's no real evidence um, that we can see that it does. So, no. I'm going to say no. Yeah. I mean, this Home and Garden TV, you're bringing it, though, the outdoors in. You know, tomorrow is the winter solstice. So, you know. I guess maybe tomorrow you're celebrating the winter solstice and you're bowing down to your Christmas tree. Stop it. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. That's just lame, dude. Yeah. Okay, so no, it's not. It's not pagan. Number three? All right. So it's people get all twisted up about the craziest things. They do. They do. Gosh. Okay. Does God love everyone? Question mark. How does a loving God let sin and evil enter the world? Well, okay, this is a very interesting layered question. Two-parter, you think? Well, there's layers to the answer. There's like, two parts to the question, but there's layers to the answer. Like a parfait, Shrek. Yeah, like onions, like ogres. Ogres yeah. are like onions. Yeah. And this question is like an ogre, which is like an onion, which has layers. Donkey, like and an donkey. onion. Uh, does God love everyone? Well, the Bible does say, for God so love the world. That seems pretty everyone-ish. Well, I mean, he loves everybody on the earth then. Right. So, you know, if there's anybody floating around on the moon, they're in big problems. But it, the yeah. scriptures also th say that God, there's certain things that God hates and God hates sin. And yeah. he, um, he's angry with the wicked every day. Loving God so, and hating sin, baby. Yeah, yeah. But how does a loving God let sin and evil enter the world? What is, it is my contention that God, constrained by his nature... Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, I believe it is, God is love. So the very nature of God is love. God constrained by his nature, created as he did, and created you and me with the capacity to be able to choose whether or not we love him or don't love him, follow him, don't follow him. If we choose to not follow God, then we are choosing the opposite of God, which would be evil and sin. And so God, because of his love, created a world in which there is choice and the opportunity for sin, even though he would know that sin would ultimately result. So I think it is evidence of God's love that there is sin and evil in the world, but it's also evidence of God's love that in response to sin and evil in the world, he came to deal with that, demonstrating his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to deal with our sin and our wickedness. So yeah, that's, uh, there's lots of layers there. You could do an entire Bible series. Yeah, it's not, I, I always said it's not love if there's no choice in it. I would say so. You know. I would so, agree with that. Yeah. There's not, Whole it's not love. Heartedly. Yeah. So I think that, that's a good explanation. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I take like it. it. Yeah, I'll go with that. All right. 
Uh, so yeah, so yeah, it, there has to be evil out there if they're going to make a choice, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, people make bad choices. They do, and we see them all the time. I've made bad choices, like when Michelle Wolf made that really bad joke in that, that comedy a special. That was a bad, bad choice. choice. Yeah, bad choice. So, but out of the abundance of the heart, I know it seems like the, the mouth speaks. The comedic pass, you know, path at this moment is to just be as unbelievably politically incorrect as you possibly can to try and get an uncomfortable laugh. So I think that's what everybody's going for. Yeah. I do not approve. Not so much. That's, nope. Again, that's why Find I... Find a better way to I, be funny. I aborted Netflix. Good idea. Cancel culture. You cancel. Cancel. Done. Smite. All right. How important is Eros love? Because you talked about love. I mentioned the loves. Yes, you did. It's one of the gifts. Eros love in a marriage relationship. Ooh. Groovy, baby. Ooh. Behave. So, there are three Greek words used for love in the Bible. There are four Greek words in, in Koine, ancient Greek, for love. Eros is one of them. Storge is another, phileo is another, and agape is another. In the Bible, I don't think storge is ever used. Storge is like a family love. And phileo is a brotherly love, affection. And eros is what we would term basically like romantic love. And uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, which is very good and it's not a very difficult read. Oh, C.S., he's got some good points. Yeah. And he's got initials, which makes you cool. Yeah. So C.S. Lewis, he talks about Eros, and it's pretty interesting when he does, because one of the things he says about it, because I'd always heard these teachings on Eros, how it's, it's lust or it's passion, and there is that built into it. But he makes the point that Eros is not just a love or a lust for what you can get from an individual, but it is a passion for that individual, which is a difference. That's a very good difference. Mm. And when you think about it in that context, then yeah, eros is exceedingly important in the marriage relationship. That there should be a passion and a desire for your spouse. That that should be there. Right. And when that's missing, right. Um, but well, that's uh, I would say. And, and what uh, yeah. if I remember correctly, what Lewis makes the point of because Lewis didn't get married until very late in life, and then his wife she didn't live long. She, she got cancer. Yeah, she died. Yeah. She so died sad. young. Yeah. And, and this is, he, he writes a book in response to that. I believe it's A Grief Observed. Mm. And, and he makes the point in talking about Eros that if Eros was purely the, the sexual aspect, if that was what you were desiring was the relationship, then when the person that you love dies, then you can just fill that some other way. Right. And that the hole would be effectively filled. But mm-hmm. he's saying that, no, not really, because the desire is not just for the sexual union, but it's for that person that there is a, a strong passion and desire for the person and not what that person can give to you, which I think is a really good point. But yeah, that does need to be in marriage. It's necessary. Yeah, I think it's super important, and I think it's something that needs to be cultivated. Right. And I think... Um, you That's know, the right word. Cultivated. cultivated yeah, yeah I, I think... Um, be real honest with you, just looking at, you know, between the counseling appointments I've had over the last 25-plus years... That's and a few counseling appointments. That's one or two, yeah. Um that is something that Christians need to take back a little bit. So know? 
the devil the devil took sex away in the garden he started to make sex quirky the first thing they i believe quirky great way to say it well yeah i mean it, it became something that was weird or abnormal or, or snickery or something he made it quirky and kinky yeah it, because he says uh you know they realized they were naked right and they were ashamed and they were ashamed before they, they were not ashamed they were not ashamed before right so uh I that's think, what sin does yes and so i think christians have too many times the world's view about that and um it's really important in a christian relationship in a obviously a marriage relationship with believers to cultivate that and uh it to be part of your relationship uh if you can if there's some obviously there you know are sometimes medical things going on and, and that we, we get that and you know not everybody remains 22 years old forever but i think it's something that's really important to maintain throughout your relationship um with your wife or with your husband and man i have seen uh, that be a component in i would say the majority it's either the relationship is suffering because of the lack of that or because as you stated with c.s lewis i think is a really good point this type of love is intertwined with other types of love uh, that you have for your spouse. Um, other things in the relationship affect it. And so uh, typically when people have a really good relationship on the Eros side of love, it's a really good indicator that things are pretty going pretty good in the rest of their marriage too. Right. Well, um, I am, so it, I... it's rare I see when people are doing a really great job with that. And but there's other parts of their marriage that they just don't get along. I just I don't right. see that. You know. So I I've done a few weddings in my my tenure as a pastor. There you go. And um, in my wedding ceremony that I when I share a little message before we do the vows and the exchanging of rings and everybody's favorite part. Do you the kiss do, the do you do the love passage? Well, I talk a little bit about the four loves. I talk okay. about agape and phileo oh, cool. and eros yeah. and storge, and I make the point that if you as a couple focus on loving one another with the self-sacrificial kind of love, uh-huh. agape, then you will have no problem with phileo, storge, and eros. The others will fall into place mm. if you are aiming at loving your spouse with that self-sacrificial sort of service love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13. Mm-hmm. The love passage, Mark. The love passage. Right. So if I call you, it the love verse, but you love to call you call it the love passage. Well, it's a, it's a series of verses, so you know. Anyways, uh, I'm trying to be technical. See, I'm correct. a sailor. When I when I when I go when they talk about a passage, it's a direction. Yeah, or let's a, not let's I'm not maneuvering yeah. through the inland passage or whatever or the yes yeah, that yes, that exactly. Alaska or something. Well, when yeah. you love your spouse with love, suffers long and is kind. You know, patience and not keeping a record of wrongs and all right, those sort yeah. of things. I don't think you'll have a problem with the eros. So when when I've done marriage counseling and people come in here and they're having fights and. They're keeping long records of wrongs. I mean, you know how it is. You sit down with a couple. They're having some problems. It's like they've been married. Let's say they've been married 10 years, and they've mm-hmm. got like they got nine years and 11 months worth of you know wrongs suffered, and the right. list is continuing. The list is long. And uh, they're having a problem in the area of eros, and it's like, well, that's because you're not loving each other with a, an agape love. Right. So let's work on that. You know, I... It, you know how I love to say something just to watch people go, I can't believe you just said that. I'm I, afraid I, of where this is going. No, no, no. I'm, I did, my... I'm not going to do I, 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 
I think it is great when we get into the the. I think it's number six or seven of our the marriage premarital counseling. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the whole sex so you subject. Do six, you do six ma- meetings. I do four. No, no, I do eight. I do eight. Oh wow! Typically, Whoa, but, check you out double. But well, I, but sometimes couples don't have an issue with a certain thing, and so we won't we won't do that right one. But uh, like, there's one just on in laws and family, right? But if yeah. they don't have any in laws, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. But. Uh, when you get to the the one on you know arrows love intimacy yeah intimacy they Romance. call it and they and then also in the aftermarital counseling where there's disappointment there and they they're like you know they're they're kind of beating around the bush a little bit and then then I I just go well have you tried this and they look at you and they turn bright red and they're like I didn't think I was going to hear that at church ever Oh boy! And I'm like, hey, I'm here to answer your questions. I want to see you guys loving Jesus, you and, know. And, and I have a book for you to take and home I've and read and a do a couple, book report on. Yes, I got a couple of books for you to read. The good right. Christian books on this. And you know what's funny? They used to tease me all four, the time. For our listeners, our adult married listeners, yes, you should go and get the book. Sheet music is a great book. Sheet music, it's a good book. Yeah, there's a we few recommend of them out there. Yeah. yeah, but and but it's interesting because people would come back. They used to tease me at my former employee, uh-huh. and they nicknamed me. They would call me the Love Doctor, Doctor Love. Yeah, and they said because your couples would go back angry and fighting and crying, and then they would come back the next day all happy, or the next week all happy. How did you do that? And a lot of time, it's a missing component. So, Doctor you know, Kevin got, Layman, or by Kevin Layman. Yeah, it's a pretty good book. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with everything in every book. Right. Eat the chicken, spit out the bones, but he's got some really good advice in there. Well, speaking of another book, we have another question that kind of goes in the direction of books. Number five, what do you think of the five love languages and do they reconcile with the scriptures? See, that's what happens when you start talking about love, Miles. This is Dr. Gary Chapman's book. Oh, okay. So, five love languages. Did you read that book? No. I read it. I mean, I, I, I think I've read the titles and I understand. Okay, so there's, so there's five. There is there's, words of affirmation. Yeah, so that word of affirmation is like, you know. Mark, you look so nice today. Exactly. Miles, you know what? You're just a gorgeous hunk of man. No wonder your wife is so crazy about you. See, here's the you. problem. Because neither you or I are really adept at the words of affirmation. We're completely sarcastic. When, when we when say we that, it's like, you're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> no, I, you know. Uh, so words of affirmation, not your love language, is it, Mark? Um, it depends with who and how, like if I know, I think here's what's important. I don't think those are hard golden. Well, we should give the five. Let me get the five. Let's do the five. Words of affirmation. Number two, acts of service. Number three, receiving gifts or just gifts. Number four, quality time. Number five, physical touch. So Dr. Gary Chapman in a very, you know, it's been printed many, many, many millions of times probably. And uh, ever since he wrote it, he's been going around the world speaking on the five love languages. And uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in the five love languages. I read it quite a few years ago. Uh, It's a good book. But so he says that these are the five love languages that people give and receive love with. And uh, maybe there's some truth. Maybe there's some more love languages. Like love language number six, chocolate. That's probably one of them. Yeah. Love language number seven. Going fishing. Hunting and fishing. Yeah. That's love language. Yeah. That would probably fall under number, number four, seven, just not time. getting mad for silly reasons, but yeah. Yeah. Quality okay, so time would be. There. I think, let's go through these five real quick. So the first one was what? Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. So being an encourager. Right. So that's biblical. Barnabas, yeah. son of encouragement. Being an encourager. And I think uh, that's really important. You should do right. that to everybody. Okay. So yeah. that's, a, that's a good one. We're yeah. good with that. Yeah. That's biblical. Acts, acts of service. You serve one another. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus did that. 
Yeah. Receiving gifts or just gifts. Jesus did that. Yeah. I guess that shows love. Okay. Quality time. Yeah. My my wife, hers is words of affirmation and quality time. So uh, my wife's biggest one, I think, is... Um, Last one was physical touch. Yeah. So uh, my wife's big one is quality time. Like t- spending right. time... Watching Hallmark with her movies. hanging out. We watch Hallmark movies, make tamales. We watched and, another one the other night. It was horrible. Which one? Yeah, it's the one where the... The two single parents, they both have young kids. They go to the store to get their gifts for their kids that they had waiting for them, and they get a mix-up of the gifts. And then I didn't see that one. Oh, I'll send you a link. It is horrible. So we saw Christmas, no, Pen Pals for Christmas, I think okay. it was, the other night. That wasn't bad. I think that was on our list to see. Uh, four Christmases and a wedding, that was horrendous. Uh, is that kind of like the Hugh Grant Force Weddings and a Funeral? Uh, is it like a remake? I would rather have seen the Hugh Grant thing. Okay, all right. Uh, then we saw the, um, oh gosh, what was the other one? Yeah, it was horrendous. Yeah. Anyway, so the five love languages, do you think that these are scriptural? I think that there's, you can, every one of them you can take and scripturally uh, yeah, you could probably go back to the word. And, and so, and I don't think it's a bad thing to be able to think about what you're, Focus on what, let's say, your spouse or right. other people you want to encourage uh, are, because you need to know, be able to be all things to all men, so to speak, right? You want to be go. able to encourage people and and do that. What What's your love language? Mm, probably acts of service and physical touch. Let's see, I got I'm 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 acts of service. Yeah, because I, I love it. Like you know, when I've got like clean socks and ironed shirts. I, that it makes me happy. Well, there you go. So that's good. So I would say, uh, yeah, acts of service and uh, food and physical touch. So, where would food fall under? I guess receiving, giving gifts. Maybe that would. There you go, man. One. Yeah. So sex, food, and clothes. Yeah, that's me. All of them. <laughs> Number six. Not necessarily all at the same time, <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, it's. Uh, Hey, uh, let me put my uh, burrito on. I got to try on the shirt. Christmas. Yeah. Feliz Navidad. Christmas. Yes. So, uh, um, you know, yeah. come to think of it, my wife is in charge of all those. She's the contractor for Well, of that. course she should be. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. nobody else is ironing my shirts. So that's good. All right. I'm glad we broached that one. That was important. So are our listeners. Okay. Uh, so I think they are, have a... Perhaps they have a scriptural basis, but I think each one of these we can reconcile with scripture, and they're good, healthy things to try to encourage people around you and obviously your spouse. Okay, what does it mean that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth? 1 Corinthians thirteen six. I think it means just what it says. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. I'm not sure that I have much to add to that. I don't think we need to. Yeah? I mean... Yeah. Let's let's look at alternate readings of First Corinthians thirteen six. Hashtag what would Guzik do? No, no, no. Different oh, versions. Oh, we're not supposed to talk about it. Let's him, do the King James version. King Jimmy. I'm glad you called it King Jimmy last week. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. That's good. That's good. How about the Christian standard Bible? Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. So maybe it's one of those statements that you're making, so you think the inverse. Okay. When you do these, you know, when you're glad, something bad goes down. New American Standard Bible. 
does not, not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those we read and we go, okay, I know what the inverse is too of this one. I actually really like the New Living Translation. Oftentimes when I read this, NLT, I read it, yeah. the NLT, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Okay. I, I like, like that. It. I like it a lot. When the truth wins, we rejoice. Okay. I think we're ready for number seven. When the Chargers win, we're amazed. Yeah, that's a whole different... Yeah, that's... It's a miracle. Yeah. Anyway, dude, I don't do the Chargers. I'm just I saw a shirt the other day, Los Angeles Chargers, and I was kind of like, eh. That's lame. Eh. Yeah. Los Angeles. That's like sugar-free cocoa. Anyway, um, is Number every seven? act of procreation an expression of love or just within the marriage covenant good question i made a statement in on sunday uh taking a c.s lewis quote which i thought was really great that every son of one of us was conceived because of eros yep and every one of us was raised because of phileo and you quoted tina turner i did i brought tina what's what's love love got got to do with it and hadaway you know yeah what is love baby don't hurt me baby don't hurt me no more i I don't know what a horrible song i don't know that one you don't know that song nope no, yeah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> no, you do. It will be in my head all day long, and I'll be singing it. Yeah, you don't need that because somebody I'll be in Costco or something, and I'll be singing that song. You don't want that. So, what is love, baby? Don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. Baby, that is a cheesy '80s song, 1993. La, 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 la. I don't hear this. I don't hear it. Okay, good. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. But I can hear in my head Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Yeah. So. Um, where were we? I would Is say. every it, act of. Pro- okay. I do want to make the point that when I made this quote, because I did say every, act, well, from the initial act of creation to every true act of procreation love is being expressed so i do believe that procreation as god designed it and intended it is to be an expression of love but that's not to say that every every conception is the result of a loving relationship that that would not be true unfortunately yeah correct right so baby don't hurt me but i think don't hurt me no more i think um well, and then this, I think of, you know, another great song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, right? Who was that? Uh, I know the song. It's singing in my head now, but I don't know who that well, was. Well, I, I want to say it's like Ronnie Millsap or something like that. But then Buckwheat in Saturday Night Live, they did a Saturday Night Live um, uh, thing on Buckwheat one time. And he was saying, Wookin' Penub in All the Wrong Places, because Buckwheat had a little problem maybe pronouncing some things was that was that buckwheat or was that it was elmer fudd it was eddie murphy that wouldn't have been elmer fudd no uh elmer fudd would be woe unto you pharisees children of hell whitewash sepulchers silly wabbit yeah okay elmer fudd bible series is going to be huge yeah probably not yeah so anyway i think you can lovingly be trying to engage in that but you're misplacing your love yeah. True. True debt. Yeah. So let's keep it in the covenant, people. Yes. Do All that, right. Please. There you go. Let's keep it. Let's Number keep... Ocho. Eight. This is a good one. Mm. 
because this has nothing to do with sex. <laughs> Good. What is Advent and should we practice it? Well, Advent is the season in a liturgical, more traditional church calendar between, well, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. The four Sundays before Christmas is the season of Advent. And they would celebrate, normally when you would do the scripture reading or the sermon at these churches, then they would follow a certain theme for each week. Sometimes they, they vary. Different churches have different ways of doing it, whether you're in the Episcopalian church or the Catholic church or even some less traditional churches who observe Advent. But traditionally, each of the weeks is celebrated with a theme, something like hope, peace, joy, love. And I have kind of loosely followed a similar pattern in my teachings on our Christmas series every single year. Like we I, did. I was going to say, we kind of follow Advent we kind of regardless. Do. Yeah. Not, not in the same way, but like... Uh, I like we the did... chocolates every day, though. Those oh, yeah. Good. The that, Advent chocolate calendar. My kids love the Advent calendar. solid. Cheap, gross chocolate. Trader Joe's always has really good Advent calendars. The kids like those. But um, baby boy Jesus calendars, we'll call them. Not baby boy? Lord. Yeah, not little Lord Jesus. Dear baby Jesus. Dear baby Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. The, Rick, the Ricky Bobby prayer. I was listening to Kanye West at Joel Osteen's yeah. church, and he, he full-on quoted Talladega Nights in his prayer. It really? Like, it's a horrible movie. Nobody awesome. should see it. No, they but shouldn't. Anyway. But um, so, yeah. So uh, we did a series couple years we did it for a while called why christmas and we went through the you know why do we celebrate christmas yeah. and we talk about christmas being the answer for hope peace joy and love we talked about those things then last year we did a series called all i want for christmas and mm. i i also incorporated hope peace joy and love and this year you're such an incorporator right this year yeah. we we are somewhat doing that a little bit we're doing this series the gifts of christmas and we talked about gratitude and we talked about love and i think this weekend we're going to talk about hope so well, it's kind of because after like four, t four or five weeks of getting kicked in the head and Job, it's great to go into Christmas. Well, I did that on purpose. I know. Yeah. yeah. I wanted it's... everybody to be grateful when we got to Thanksgiving. Exactly. So we why did, it, it feels so good when I stop. That's right. why I'm yeah, hitting exactly. my head against the wall. Yeah, I get it. So that that's Advent. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's a, a it's not a bad thing to, if no. it leads you back into remembrance of all the things that God, great thing God has done and you know, laying those out, but let's not bow down to it or be dogmatic about it. So, right. Yeah. Is it bad? This is a good practical one here. Yeah, it is. Is it bad to teach your kids that there is a Santa? Wait, wait, we should give it, let's give a caveat. If you, if the kids are listening, you should put the headphones on. We don't, we don't want to mess anybody's I, I have a feeling there are zero children listening to you this podcast. You never know. Someone could maybe have this on in the car. These There's a child sitting in the back. parents have already covered their children's ears. Yeah, this is rated, rated R for yeah. sure. Well, the Bible's rated R. Parental guidance. Suggested. Yeah. Recommended. Parental guidance. PG. Yeah. PG. 13. So, little children... You know, close your ears. Close your ears close your for ears. a few minutes. You know, my kids listen to this sometimes. They think it's funny. Addison thinks it's awesome. Really? Yeah, she loves the questions podcast. Yeah. Well, she's obviously a young woman of good taste she's and of the ripe taste. old age of ten. Now. That's right. She's the double digit. Double now. digit. As of December fourteenth, right. we're in the well, double. Okay. Enjoy it. She'll Number be a nine. Teenager soon. Oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah. Is it bad to teach your kids that there is a Santa? Is it a lie? Those eggs were a lie, Stephen. Yes. A lie. Uh, you know, my good friend Dan Gordon. Yes. Who, Pastor Dan, who's with Jesus now. He is. And is probably laughing and At having a podcast, great time. For sure. Absolutely. You think they get the podcast in heaven? I think they should tune it in. They don't Anyway, have they would probably really be laughing about it. They don't it. need yeah. our answers in heaven. No, they, they just want to laugh at us. God's not, in heaven going not, like this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. He's smacking his head. You think John, God has like a little bit of a Jewish accent? Jewish I think moment? God just kind of looks at oy, us and shakes his head. Those guys. He does say oi. Absolutely. Oy. Yeah. Is someone just coming in the office? Oh, okay. Never mind. It's yeah. messy. Could be. So, um, okay. So Dan Gordon used Dan to say. Dan Gordon. Dan Gordon. He'd say, you know, Bubba, I've been doing this a long time and I've never had one time a person come in my office and they go, man, I'm just jacked up. I can't. I can't believe in Jesus and the crucifixion and the risen Jesus and the forgiveness of our sin because I believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think we have to frame this for how serious it is or isn't. Yeah. And I think the issue that a lot of Christians have with the Santa Claus thing is, and I get it, is it takes the attention off of Jesus, and we don't want to do that. It could. It could. So I think if you're, if you're doing the Santa Claus thing with your kid, and obviously they're young kids and you know, this and that, I, I don't I don't think you're going to hurt anybody. You're not going to hurt anybody? You know, um, but I, I think just always take those opportunities to go back and, and to make this about Jesus. You right. got to, you right. know? So uh, I just, yeah, we, I mean, we did the Santa Claus, we kind of did Santa Claus light with our kids. Because I'm going to be honest, if they're getting an expensive gift, I want credit for it. Okay, so um, you know, I was enrolled in a um, ethics class. About a year ago. Oh, no. You look like a Santa worshiper. We had to do an, a, uh, a term paper on ethics. Yeah. We had to choose an ethical topic and discuss, you know, what are the ethics behind it. Most everybody chose things like abortion, uh, you know, all kinds of these different things. You chose Santa Claus? I chose the topic, the wonderful topic of, is it okay to engage in the Santa myth yeah. with your children is it lying to your children and there is actually a okay sized body of research okay in the area of having this discussion with your children which is pretty fascinating and uh, there's all kinds of different opinions on the whole thing and there's a bo- whole bunch of research on what they refer to as uh Oh gosh, it's a certain kind of lying that we engage with our children. And they talked about how like 90% of parents lie to their children. And the most common lie that parents of parental deception, the most common lie is, you're going to love this one. We're out of dessert. No, the most common lie has to do with, if you don't get here, I'm going to leave you behind. You know, the whole thing, if your kid's not. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we don't fall through on our discipline, our threats. We don't don't follow. We give these, these, these lies. So. Um, but on the on the Santa Claus myth, I totally agree with you. I don't know anybody who is ruined. Their life was ruined because they believed in Santa Claus growing up. I mean, do you know any 40-year-olds that are, you know, waiting, sitting around there, waiting for Santa to come fill their stockings? I am. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, um, but but I came down on the so, side. So, that, Andrea, if you hear this, you know. I'm waiting for Santa Claus. Yeah. You better watch out. Better not shout. Yeah. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. You know who's got a list on you? Google. Ooh. Google's they know if you're list. naughty or nice. Um, so, but anyways, in my research for this whole discussion, yeah. um, I came down in the area that I don't think it's that big of a deal and that you're engaging in an imaginative game with your children as they are growing. And they get to a point where they figure it out. And then what's fascinating about it is virtually every child that engages in the Santa Claus game, shall we call it, when they figured out if they have younger brothers or sisters, they always want to continue to engage in the game to make it fun for their Younger brother. Because it was sisters. delightful. Because they enjoyed it. And I have been able to observe this because my oldest son, he put the whole thing together, you know, a couple of years ago. This doesn't really make sense. I don't see how he can get through the chimney. I don't see how he can visit all the children in the world this quickly. And but what's amazing about this whole thing 
is that we are engaged in a massive Santa Claus conspiracy, even up to the highest levels of government. Because NORAD has been engaging since the 1950s yep. in tracking Santa Claus every single year. I mean, we put money towards this. The Postal Service, they collect thousands upon thousands upon thousands of letters having to do Santa Claus. So it's pretty amazing when you think about this whole thing. So uh, It's like the oldest running gag. Well, what's, what's awesome about this is there's a, a gentleman named Jonathan Peugeot. And Jonathan Peugeot is a... Uh, he, I've driven his cars. No, not the same Jonathan Peugeot. But Jonathan Peugeot, he's from Canada. He's actually an Orthodox Christian, and he's a carver. So he carves images. You know, the, the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox community right. is very much into icons and iconography and images. So he's a carver. He's about my age. As long as they're not graven. But he does this YouTube channel where he talks about symbolism mm -hmm. in the world. And he does a talk on Christmas and on Santa Claus. And he makes the point that Santa Claus is actually real. From all, you know, kind of outside... You know, if you take your kids to the mall, they're, they're likely to see a Santa Claus. But there was a line at the mall the other day for Santa Claus. You thought they are giving away free Harleys. So there's a whole bunch of aspects about Santa Claus being real in the way that we yeah. portray this whole thing. And so there, there's actually a lot of realism to the whole myth. But there's a, there's a point to it. But anyways, um, in the process of my research, I came across this little audio clip from my favorite Canadian psychologist from... Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. Oh, so the guy who endorses our show. Yeah, he, he did endorse our show. This is Jordan Peterson. This Jordan Peterson. Rule yeah. nine in my book, 12 Rules right. for Life, is assume whoever you're listening to knows something you don't. I realize just how true that is. Every time I listen to the Questions podcast with Miles DeBenedictus and Mark Childers, subscribe today at thequestionspodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a review and five-star rating. Thank you, Dr. Peterson. Thank well, you. that's not the clip, but here's a little clip, and I think I have this queued up to the right spot. Let's just make sure here and see. I was wondering what you thought of Santa Claus, if it's a healthy thing for parents to practice. What's the psychological impact of lying to your child? Look, I think, the, I think lying is the wrong way of thinking about this. Santa Claus is a game. It's a game of pretend, and children play games of pretend all the time. You know, so I don't see any harm in it at all. Now, you know, you don't want to prolong that belief beyond its natural end point. But it's a, it's a massive game and it's a lovely game. And I don't believe that there's anything harmful in it in the least. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things you can do in... I, I do this with nature, with relationships, with things that happen is... There's a lot of times you can explain things in scripture with a story or something in nature, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think in Scripture, we'll see in the parables, these are can be stories that don't actually necessarily represent a real occurrence. However, they can, they can portray common occurrences or things that people would understand or may have heard have happened before. Um, you know, the um, prodigal son. Right? It, not necessarily talking about one real prodigal son, but the fact that this could happen. So there, there are definitely things that are portrayed in the Bible. Stories are portrayed in the Bible that could be true, but they're not actually portraying an actual situation. And so, and Jesus uses this. But it has a lesson. Right. Jesus uses this as a teaching aid. Uh, he uses it as a, as a way to connect with people and do this in terms that they would understand and then walk away from because we remember stories we walk away from that story remembering the concept 
in the principle, correct? So I think you can take the Santa Claus if you're a parent and you're, you're a believer and you want to do the Santa Claus thing. I think there's a lot of good biblical things you can extract from the story of Santa Claus and what he does. Uh, I think that that is a, you can pull a lot of really valuable lessons out of that and bring that to your kids and use it for good. And so, and I think you've talked a lot, even, I mean, the gift giving thing at Christmas is not in the Bible. Right. It has nothing to do with that. But like Christmas isn't in the Bible. Right. And so we've taken, we take that and um, uh, you can turn that and use those things to explain the gift that God's given us. And you're doing that in this series here. So I think you can take just about anything in, uh, in a good way, spin it to increase your kid's relationship and understanding of how God works. Do you remember VeggieTales? How can I forget it? So Where, where's Phil, my hairbrush? Phil Vischer, the creator of VeggieTales. After, oh, yeah. after VeggieTales, when he was no longer the head of the company. Head of the veggies. Yes. He does another series of videos called What's in the Bible, which are great. What's in the Bible with Buck Denver? Buck Denver. Buck Denver. Puppet. He's great awesome. Name. Great name. Buck Denver. And uh, do you know what's in the Bible? Is it true? Is it reliable? Absolutely verifiable. It's great. Anyway, so uh, he has a, a video called uh, Buck Denver Asks, Why Do We Call It Christmas? And they, they talk about the whole Christmas story and they talk about the whole St. Nicholas and the whole... Santa Claus myth. They go through the whole thing. Right. It's for kids. What's amazing to me is my kids have seen this video many a times so that they know kind of the true story of where all this stuff right. comes from. And yet they still they still like the Santa Claus game. I can tell that our our oldest daughter, Addison, who just turned 10, she's at the point where she's putting things two and two together. It's not making much sense. And they figure it out and they move on. It's all big deal. No big deal. That was a very long answer to this. Question. Okay. But here's a funny one. Yes. My same friend, uh huh, Pastor Dan. Yes. With Jesus. Yes, he's with Jesus. But God bless him. He had a son. Well, he still has. Had, the son's still yeah, there. The son is still alive. So his son was a little guy and he was just learning how to earn money and things uh, like that. And he decided he liked money. Yeah. So uh, Dan, they were very, you know, kind of, uh, I wouldn't say strict Baptist, but he had that upbringing. And so uh, Wes asked Dan, um, cause he just lost a tooth and he goes, dad, um, you know, the kid down the street, he, he got, he got five bucks when he lost a tooth from the tooth fairy. And, uh, and Dan's looking at him and Dan goes, so you want to know if you're going to get any money if you put any tooth under your pillow, if we believe in the tooth fairy. And I think Wes was kind of hesitant because you know, kind of, I just was kind of, you know, wondering. And Dan says, Hey, um, why don't you stick your tooth underneath your pillow? And why don't you just, let's see what happens. So, uh, and, and this was masterful. So Wes stuck the tooth underneath his pillow and, um, you know, Dan prayed with him, stuck the tooth under the pillow and then left the room and then came back 14 seconds later, dressed in nothing but his whitey tidies singing and dancing, saying, I am the tooth fairy, I am the tooth fairy. I wonder if this little boy has left a tooth underneath his pillow. So Wes obviously was not asleep, and he's probably laughing his little head off. 
And so Dan goes, gee, I, I wonder if there's a tooth here. And so he literally grabs a pillow so hard, he Wes gets thrown out of bed, and he puts like two bucks in there mm. and then takes the pillow and just had the greatest laugh on the planet. That's an example of a parent taking something that is in culture and turning it into something that's really cool. So when my kids grew up, they got the children's version of the Tooth Fairy Dance with the the whole thing, the song. There was a song, everything, and it was like a great memory for them. In fact, you know, I had kids when they lost their wisdom teeth were curious, you know, in their 20s. Is the Tooth Fairy coming? Yeah. this one's worth a lot of money. Yeah, this was a $2,000 Tooth Fairy, yeah, so... Anyway, um, that's a way that you can you can engage these things tooth and make them into great The memories. tooth fairy can get very expensive if you have lots of kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to be you got to moderate how much money. The tooth I had fairy a brings. kid who could pull a tooth that wasn't even ready. Oh, my kid, Elliot, he ripped his front tooth out because he he lost one of the front teeth. He's yeah. literally got the all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth thing going on right now. Well, the other one was like barely loose. He went up into his room. That kid was determined to rip that sucker out. He came downstairs. How much money are you giving these kids? Gosh, way too much. Blood all over his face, blood all over his hand, tooth, big old smile. Look, it fell out. No, that did not fall out. You ripped that sucker out. Hey. Man, oh, man. I'll take that over the kid. The tooth is dangling. That would have been me. Okay. I'd have the teeth hanging by a All the time. I got parents like, what do you do? The kid's... The kid's the, the kid's tooth is dangling by yeah, a thread, no, and they won't let you that, touch that it. That was me. I was not the, the tooth ripper. And they'll go, I, I can't believe this. And I'm like, hey, Billy, come here. What? Oh, man. That tooth is amazing. Really? Can you Ouch. open a little wider? Rip. Oh, goodness, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Anyways. Awesome. We, we've been on here for a while now. Okay, so what are we going to give our people to you know remember? The secret password. They got to come tell us what their love language is. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. yeah. What's your love language? Affirmation, service, gifts, quality time, or physical touch. Or donuts or whatever that is. You know? Donuts for sure. Well, we have, we'll have those on Sunday, right? Dan's bringing us some good donuts. Absolutely. Sure. Dan the Donut Man. Because it's the last Sunday before Christmas. And Dan always used to say, when I show up here, I feel like a Santa Claus. Did he say that? He said that. That's awesome. I well, feel like a Santa Claus because I make a people happy. Don't forget, if you're listening to this before Sunday the 22nd, this is Super Christmas Sweater Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You got to wear your nice Christmas sweater to church. It could be ugly. Or beautiful. It could be beautiful. It could be beautifully ugly. Yes. I expect to see some amazing Christmas sweaters. Be careful when you tell someone how ugly their Christmas sweater is. Because that might be the one that they really love and think it's beautiful. So just say I might know a pastor that did that. Say that is a beautiful. I, I still remember the time. This when, was at this church. Yes. Okay. That our, our senior pastor here, some Me? guy named Miles. Yes, um, was talking about his ugly Christmas sweater, and there was somebody that was wearing the same sweater that didn't really think it was ugly. Oh no! No, they wore it thinking it did was. Did I awesome. know about this? No, you didn't. But I'm telling you now. I got informed yeah, just now. Yeah, so it's okay. Well, they're gone. Go. and So don't forget your beautiful... They're at another church. Don't forget your beautiful Christmas sweater yes. this week. Or wear your ugly and one. tell us Either your wear. love or your love language, and we will see you Sunday because we are out. I'm dreaming of a white Make it stop. Christmas. Make it stop. Wow.